welcome to this edition of Talking HR with Lori and Lisa, where as always, our goal is to give you a real look at today's HR world through the sharing of experiences, knowledge, and inspiring people practices. I'm your host, Lisa Fuller. And I'm Lisa's co-host, Lori Rilkoff. It's our pleasure to spend this time with our first guest of 2023, Cheryl Otto. Cheryl is the CEO and founder of Ounce of Prevention Solutions, OOPS, and Workplace Investigator Network, WIN. And she's a happily retired lawyer and one of the pioneers of workplace investigators in Canada. She has conducted hundreds of investigations, consulted on numerous high-profile cases, and has trained over 1,000 investigators in her 25-plus year career. Cheryl's had a focus on the prevention of workplace harassment, discrimination, bullying, and interpersonal conflict, and has worked with hundreds of businesses and organizations across Canada. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So what a topic to start off our new year, uh, workplace investigations. I'm, I'm actually really interested in this topic, um, having participated in various ways in investigations over the years. Um, and I, I would like to start off with the first question, because uh, I remember back in, in 2013, uh, when the WorkSafe BC uh, policies uh, on bullying and harassment came into effect. And that really started, uh, kickstarted a lot of investigations in workplaces. And now there's been sort of a focus on equality and diversity and in our society and culture. Have you seen a change in the issues that have been in the center of workplace investigations? Well, because I've been around a long time, <laughs> yes, I have seen some changes. Um, and, and I think the changes go along with what is happening in society. So when I first started way back when, um, it was a lot, a lot to do with sexual harassment. You know, then it went to sexual orientation. Um, and then it went to race and culture. And then the issues went to um, disability. I still think that the majority of uh, complaints that get lodged with the Human Rights Commission are of a disability nature, um, but it, it tends to go sort of with the flow of society and what is happening um, in our world. So just like you said, Lori, like with WorkSafe, when bullying and harassment came out with WorkSafe, you know, we saw a surge in those type of cases. And then when the, with the Me Too movement, then we had a surge in uh, other cases like sexual harassment, sexual assault. So I think it's just, sort of goes with you know what's happening in our world at at any given time i think that's the important information um, for employers to recognize that you know there are different times that different things are highlighted and it's important to be aware of all of that and having a respectful workplace is so important and i think most employers now know that we need like no bullying and harassment um, policies in our workplace um, to address um, those situations. But do you have any recommendations for employers if on how they can address creating a respectful workplace culture if they don't know how to do that? 
Well, it's a big project, so be prepared for it to take time. And if you hire ex, ex, an external consultant, it may take some money. Um, but if you're, you know, if, if you're talking about changing your culture in your organization, that's a big feat, right? So you want to make sure that you're going to do it right and that you have the right objectives and the right goals uh, in mind. So it's a lot of work to be able to do that. Um, and I mean, it all starts at the top, right? So your top person has to have everyone buy into, you know, what is a respectful workplace? What does that look like? And how are we going to achieve that? And there's many levels to that in the sense of, um, you know, uh, you know, are we engaging our people? Are we paying them right? Um, you know, do we have a good environment for them? What does that look like? You know, that all goes to creating a respectful workplace, as well as if someone makes a complaint, um, are we dealing with it? And are we dealing with it in a timely and efficient manner so that the parties are going to feel that um, the issues have been resolved? So Cheryl, I'd just like to step back for a minute because I think we you know, jumped into the, uh, you know, the changes that we've seen, but how did you get into this type of work? Because you started off as a, as a lawyer. <laughs> yes. Well, I started off as a lawyer and, you know, just to, you know, just to be honest, I really didn't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, there's got to be something better, right? And so uh, I had a um, university roommate of mine who was doing this kind of work in Toronto right out of law school. And so I connected with her and said, hey, I want to do what you're doing. And, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. So I've been doing this for like, well, uh, this year is like 27 years. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I just, I just, I got into it because I thought there's got to be a better way than litigation to deal with matters that we're dealing with in the workplace that involve human beings, right? And something, you know, a process that can not take, you know, a year, five years, whatever the case is, and cost thousands of dollars before we get some kind of resolution. There's, you know, my whole thought was there's got to be a better way. Can you share a little bit about sort of your your recommendations on that process? Because you're right, a lot of things build up over time or get buried under under the rug in organizations over time, and then and then when something happens, it is a big um, a big investigation, and and everybody, you know, it it's complex. It's it's hard on everybody. How do employers prevent that from happening? And what process can they do? We talked about culture a few moments ago a little bit, but if they were just starting out, what guidance would you give if you were engaged um, to help a company? Well, I think, you know, having an HR team or even at the management level, having um, people trained in the in the sense of them being able to acknowledge and identify what are the issues right what what's going on here um, and can we deal it deal with it in a different way so one of the things uh, that's very critical is you know to have a policy that is very fulsome in the sense that it it, it acknowledges that there are many different ways to resolve 
uh, conflict in the workplace, right? So, I, uh, you know, I've dealt with organizations that just have investigation. So if you have a complaint, you can only have an investigation. So I don't recommend that. I rec recommend having informal and formal resolutions uh, in your policy so that people know that there's, uh, you know, many options to resolve, you know, what their, what their concern is in the workplace. You know, I've, I've, uh, I can't count how many times I've met with the person who's made a complaint or brought a concern forward that has said, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm, what this investigation is all about. Because they just they just want it to you know go away, right? So how do we make it go away? And I think you know what happens is, uh, and I and I, I I'm not slagging uh, employers at all because I know that we're all busy, right? And especially HR folks, you wear many hats, and so just to you know to be aware that maybe you don't have time for this, right? And so as we know, there's a lot of external folks out there doing this kind of work, and you know. And to be able to provide that type of resource to to clients, so don't feel that you're alone in all of this. If you have an issue and you can't figure it out, there's someone out there now. Thank goodness um, that can help you out uh, when you're dealing with this. But always, you know, making looking at the situation from the standpoint of how can we resolve this? One of the biggest and most important questions to ask a person who's coming to your office or sending an email or whatever is to ask them, what is it that they want to see happen? How is this situation going to be resolved to their satisfaction so they can come to work and feel okay and feel safe? Um, and, you know, that always gives some really, um, usually some really good tips on how we might resolve this, right? And there's many ways to resolve it. So we can have, you know, we could do some coaching as HR. So we could coach coach the person, have a conversation with the other person. Um, we could do some informal mediation. We could do some formal mediation. We could do a facilitated conversation. We might want to do a workplace assessment or environmental audit if, if if what this person's saying, you know, maybe has a broader impact. So, you, you know, we like to refer to this as the continuum of resolution. So have we looked at all the things that we can resolve, try and resolve the issues with? So Cheryl, when, um, how can an employer determine when um, an investigation is actually warranted? Well, according to WorkSafe, BC, they're always warranted. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, but I think that, you know, like WorkSafe BC just wants to make sure that employers are looking into situations, right? So when we use the, the term investigation, we can use it as a small I investigation or a big I investigation, right? And so it's, so a, a small I investigation is maybe the HR member or the manager looking into, you know, maybe what is the concern and can, can we can we deal with it, right? A big eye investigation is maybe when you're dealing with someone in HR <laughs> and I've done those and, uh, or, or, you're, or you're dealing with someone who's in executive position, right? Or you're dealing with a sexual assault or you're dealing with, you know, concerns that you may not be comfortable dealing with as an HR person. And if you're not trauma-informed, um, sometimes, you know, internal investigations, whether they're small eye or big eye, um, you know, can cannot, can 
sorry, they are not handled properly because they don't have the proper skills to do that because maybe they don't have the time. So I think that it just, uh, it depends on what the assessment is. Sometimes a lot of organizations like to get their legal counsel involved to say, here's the situation. What should we do? Should we do an investigation, right? Should we do an internal or an external? Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, again, like I said before, there's resources out there that if you don't know if it's an investigation, if it's a warranted investigation, um, talk to someone, right? We There's people to help help you out with that. I think that's really wise, wise advice um, as well, because it is a very specific skill set. And to do an investigation that protects confidentiality, gets to um, all the information needed to properly assess whether bullying and harassment, for example, is warranted or not warranted, you know, takes a skill set. And it there's a certain process to follow. So I'm really supportive of engaging external resources that have that expertise um, from an organization. It also helps keep everybody internal to be in a neutral position as well. So what about um, the employer's responsibility for duty to inquire? So I'm not sure if our listeners are familiar with the term duty to inquire, but oftentimes there'll be an issue. Somebody may not want to file a formal complaint, but once the employer is aware of it, there is an obligation to to look into that matter a little deeper. Can you share with us what duty to inquire means? Uh, well, I think it means exactly exactly what 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 it like the, what the words are. And so I think that I mean to me it means that are we looking into what is going on in this workplace for this individual or for other individuals say in this in this department? Are, you know, have we gone, have we got to the root of maybe what the issues are? Um, and are we satisfied, right, that things are resolved and we're moving it for, it forward? You know, the duty to inquire can also um, lend itself to, um, to looking at the mental health of folks, right? So if, if someone is coming in uh, to your office and is saying something is happening in their workplace, um, and it just doesn't really, you don't really know what's going on. You know, I mean, if, if your spidey sense says, okay, something's missing here, I'm not really getting the whole story, right? And I think, think it's really important to remember that when people come to your office or, you know, we live in this hybrid world, so it's maybe not your office, maybe your Zoom screen, um, you know, or your phone is that, you know, people usually come forward because they want help. They want things to change, right? They want some type of resolution to happen. And so I think a conversation, you know, with this person to say, to understand, you know, why they're coming forward and what is it that they would like to see out of this. From that, you know, your duty can expand in the sense of, you know, maybe talking to other people or looking at whatever, maybe some documents, whatever the case is, to, to ensure that as an employer, you're doing your due diligence to make sure that we're going to try and make this workplace, you know, a safe um, and, and respectful 
respectful workplace, you know, for the employees. So it's just going as far as you feel comfortable in the sense of, can you say that you've done due diligence for the employer in the in regard to this particular circumstance? Cheryl, one of the questions that often pops up for investigations is whether employers have to investigate anonymous complaints. Can you talk about that for our um, listeners? Well, as a happily retired lawyer, I'll have to say the answer is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, anonymous complaints are tricky, very tricky. And so, you know, all the more reason, I think, to hire external when you're dealing with anonymous complaints, because sometimes we don't know what we're dealing with. But the first couple things that we should be looking at if we're an internal person getting a concern anonymously, I don't know whether it's through your whistleblower, you know, hotline or snail mail, right? It could be snail mail or, or an email on, you know, some kind of hotline that you have is to make sure that whatever the person is um, bringing forward or complaining about um, meets the prima facie task. And what that means is that if true, would this allegation be a breach of our respectful workplace policy or harassment policy, whatever the case may be, right? So if it's something like, oh, you know, John is, you know, looking at his cell phone and selling real estate, you know, when he's at work, like, does that, does that contravene some kind of policy when if, if we're talking about respectful workplace policies, maybe not, but maybe time theft, I don't know, something like that, right? So you have to look at sort of the prima facie case and and what they're saying. And also too, is is the concern, is it particularized enough so that we understand exactly what this person is complaining of? If they say, you know, John has been bullying me since I started working here and it's got to stop, how do you investigate that, right? And so you got to make sure that there are particulars of the allegation. And again, this goes into what's in your policy. Are you even going to accept anonymous complaints? And if you do, what do they need to look like for us to accept them and to investigate them? And one of the most important things with anonymous complaints is that it is not licensed to go on a witch hunt. So we always have to remember that there are two parties involved here, right? The reporting party and the responding party, and we have to treat them fairly, right? And and, um, we have to make sure that we're we're not looking for stuff, you know, to get the responding or the responding party in trouble. We want to make sure that we are sticking to what are the allegations, and that's it. Because if we go on, if we go on a fishing expedition, hey, who knows what we might find, right? That's that's a really good point, and um, I know with many respectful workplace policies, there's language in there about reprisal as well, and and everybody should be able to report safely and confidentially rights um, as well without a fear of reprisal. I think that's an important consideration as well. So Cheryl, you mentioned earlier, you touched upon um, hybrid or remote working. 
How has that had any impact on workplace investigations in terms of issues nowadays? Well, sadly, it hasn't. <laughs> right? we, we, we thought it would cut down on all this stuff going on, um, but it really hasn't. Um, we're, you know, now we're dealing with a bit different issues, right? Things that are happening, say, on uh, like conference calls, uh, Zoom calls, uh, maybe on social media. Um, you know, like I just did one recently where, you know, someone was rolling their eyes in a Zoom meeting. Well, you know, that means that they're bullying me, right? And um, so we're we're looking at those types of issues a little bit more. I would say that it's more the bullying type of issues that we're looking at when we're dealing with hybrid or remote working locations. Um, and uh, I just think that uh, that you know that there's so much more access for people at home. Are working at home to do all kinds of stuff with their social media and um, and their phones and stuff. So uh, that you know that that's where we're getting most of our evidence from is is social media posts. Um, sometimes you know organizations have I I don't know if they call them intranets anymore, which is another sort of network within their system where they can post things internally so there's those things that are happening you know but that this is a this is where uh like where we've had to use what we call forensic evidence a few times in the sense of we have to sort of dig deep into the data to, to figure out you know maybe some of the allegations and to get some of the evidence and so i think it's important for employers to know that uh, you know, we can get evidence from cell phones and computers, right? Um, depending on the ownership, and that's a whole other issue. Um, you know, but the other thing too with with hybrid and remote or workplaces is that for the most part, we don't have any witnesses. And so what does that look like? So it can be sort of that he said, he said, she said, she said scenario. So there's a lot of credibility assessing that has to go on in those types of cases, which again is a more um, specific skill to have, right? To be able to assess credibility in the parties who you're investigating. So, um, you know, I, I and the thing is too, is that um, when you're doing online investigations, if we wanna sort of switch it to that, you know, what are the challenges there? Um, you know, the challenges are that some people are not comfortable with the Zoom platform because, you know, there are other jobs where people don't use Zoom every day like us, right? Um, and so we want to make sure that they're, that, you know, that they're comfortable using these platforms, that they have access to a computer, right? Sometimes this is as simple as, or as hard as that really is, you know, do we have a computer for them? Do we have access you know, do they have access to an IT person should something, you know, arise? Um, and also too, like privacy and confidentiality. Like I, you know, I, I mean, I've been in many interviews where, you know, so-and-so's husband will walk through the picture or, you know, their children or whatever. So just making sure, you know, that there's some privacy and that people feel safe. Because sometimes, you know, even though we say we feel safe in our own home some people don't feel safe right and so we want to make sure that people uh are in a safe place to conduct the interviews 
And I would imagine as an investigator, um, you know, there's that human element of when you're interviewing respondents or uh, complainants in an investigation and, you know, can be very emotional for those people to participate in that process. And you're not in the same room with them. You're, you're doing this remotely. Um, I imagine that's a challenge for yourself as an investigator as well. Well, I think it's all about sort of the preparation for these types of interviews. So for, you know, for, for me, I always like to have sort of a, a pre-meeting, you know, with the parties to say, you know, here's who I am, here's what we're going to be doing tomorrow or the next day. Um, and just have a little sort of kind of like a meet and greet. And, you know, exactly like this, this is not like an in-person interview where you can walk in the room and you, you could, well, shake hands or fist bump or wave or whatever, or whatever you're allowed to do these days. But, and, you know, have some, you know, small, small talk, but I find that um, conducting it, virtual interviews um, is okay, right? You're still getting, you're still getting the same information um in a different in a different way so when we all started this like two years ago or three years ago like we all were like oh how is this going to work and um I think for the most part a lot of us are only conducting virtual investigations and it seems to be working and I think that for the most part like I've had some feedback from both reporting parties and responding parties that they like it better that it's less intimidating for them. They feel safer not being in a room with me. Although, you know, I could see why, but, <laughs> uh, or any investigator, right? So just, you know, taking those things into in, into um, consideration, but just not going into it carte blanche, right? Like we have to do a little more preparation for this to make sure that people are feeling comfortable and they're feeling safe you know, as much as they can in a process like this. Well, and that leaves me to to um, sort of learn. I think you do some investigator training that you offer for for folks. Um, if somebody wanted some information on how to get some training or reach out to you, um, can you share share how they may go about that, Cheryl? Sure. Yes, we we do investigative training um, usually three times a year. Um, we keep it to a, a very small group so that the learning experience is really awesome, hopefully, for the participants. And we have a, a session coming up uh, starting middle of February. Uh, if you're interested, it's uh, our website is the win. So it's t h e e w i n easy dot c a. So the win.ca and um, yeah, it's a four half day course. Uh, so it's four half days. Uh, and in the course, we actually work through a case from beginning to end. And we actually get to interview uh, the, the reporting party and the responding, not the real ones, but the um, we, have, we have real actors um, that we get to interview. And so it's it's, it's kind of cool because we get to work through this case right from, you know from getting the complaint, getting the response, preparing you know preparing for the investigation, preparing for the interviews, doing the interviews, and you know preparing the report and uh, from you know findings of fact, doing your analysis, 
and 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 maybe recommendations. So we sort of work the the whole process, at, you know. So it's as real as you can in four half days, and um, so it's um, it's a, I think it's a it's a really fun course, and uh, there's a lot of interaction, and um, it it's a good course. So yeah, check it out on the website or give me a call six zero four. Three four five seven nine three three. Awesome! I think that that's fantastic because I think those are really important skills for employers and HR practitioners to have. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I know you've also have a LinkedIn. So encourage our listeners to go to your LinkedIn. You've had a couple good articles recently, which I'll just leave that tidbit for the audience as I've read <laughs> read on your LinkedIn posts recently. So um, that this has been a really, really valuable conversation, Cheryl, and, and we appreciate your time and commitment to help our, our teams and our listeners and organizations really understand the importance of creating a culture of uh, respectful workplaces and how they can support the process should the need arise. Well, it's been my pleasure. And uh, I just think like you just said, you know, we always have learning to do. We always have more to do. And so um, we just have to keep up, keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Cheryl.